Yes, it's back with us. The walking weapon, Josh Alexander, who has been on this amazing come up, is now the Impact Wrestling World's Champion. What could be more appropriate? He brings his, his family into the ring. The announcers are putting it over like a million bucks, like a million bucks. And then Moose, <laughs> oh boy. And then Moose comes into the ring and every and everyone, the entire audience is like, no, no, God, no, no. And Moose is like, yes. And what does Josh do? Josh, as the baby face, as the announcers are, are cursing Moose out of his name, what does the baby face do with his family in the ring? He tries to get his family to safety because he is a warrior. And if he has to fight right now, he will fight right now. He gets his family to safety, spear immediately. One, two, three. Moose takes that title, holds it up in front of that man's family. As the as everyone, everyone is hating this moment. In that moment, I'm like, Moose is a son of a bitch, I tell you. and gentlemen we welcome you in our record recorder glory to the greatest wrestling podcast in the world this is give me the book halloween special we hope you're enjoying your day we hope uh, you will spend some time with us before you go trick-or-treating my name is matt calloway and with me as always it's the el guapo of professional wrestling commentary and stand-up comedy satoyo guys thank you once again for listening well, last time we were here was a little bit over a week ago, and we previewed Crown uh, Jewel pay-per-view. And since that day, a lot has happened. We had not one, but two AW Dynamite episodes. We had the, the, the usual Monday Night Raw. We had a SmackDown. Uh, we had the Halloween Havoc NXT special. Um, and we had a TNA Bound for Glory. Satori, am I forgetting anything else that that we that we, has happened since? I mean, aside from uh, Jr. being diagnosed with uh, cancer, Jim Duggan being diagnosed with prostate cancer, and Ring of Honor closing their doors until the first quarter of 2022 to reimagine their wrestling uh, uh, product, which is very concerning. I think that's about it. Well, uh, I, I think that's a good place to start with then. Um, yeah. Let's start talking about Ring of Honor. Um, announcing yesterday that, as you just mentioned, they're closing down their doors. They will be releasing all the talent from contracts right after the very aptly titled uh, pay-per-view they have in December called Final Battle, uh, which has been going on, of course, for 20 years. Um, you know, Ring of Honor is, we, we mention them a lot on our on our podcast, especially when we talk about them in a match of the week segments, because I think their run in early and mid 2000s um, is as good as any independent promotions ever, dare I say. Um, you know, who is who of, of the best in the world today have passed through their doors at one point or another. 
Uh, if you look at their, you know, uh, championships, their pure championships, a lot of your favorite wrestlers have held them at one point or another. Um, Satoru, can you give us your reaction uh, to the to the news? It's very, very concerning. I, I think it's one, at least for me, it's one thing to have to shut down for a bit, as we have seen pandemic has showed us that professional wrestling organizations can, in fact, uh, shut down and be forced to. Uh, the part that I find very concerning is just releasing all of their talent from their contracts. And I understand uh, if the contracts are exclusive and it's like they won't have anywhere to work for three to four months, it's understandable. It's like, okay, well, you obviously need to work, but to release everyone, and I'm sure not all those people that are working there are working there exclusively, um, it's just a bit, it's a bit frightening. It makes it sound like the money isn't right. Uh, makes it sound like, uh, they don't have the funds to fulfill those contracts. Uh, and if they don't have the funds to fulfill those contracts or, or you know, what does that mean about uh, the, the faith that Sinclair Broadcasting, who, to be fair, Sinclair has not really done what they should have done by Ring of. I mean, it's great that they've been on uh, TV, you know, I, when they were on HD net, you know, it wasn't as big as Sinclair, but I don't think Sinclair has ever really promoted them in the right way. Um, so now it's like, OK, is Sinclair just sort of giving up on this wrestling experiment as they would probably see it. Um, so it, it, it worries me in that regard, because especially throughout the pandemic, uh, once Ring of Honor got started up again, I greatly appreciated the care that they took in protecting their talent, uh, keeping everyone as safe as they possibly could while giving a different style of pro wrestling that at that time was centered around the Ring of Honor pure title, which at that point had been elevated to world title status. So it was the Ring of Honor uh, world's pure uh, championship. So, yeah, I, I just find it concerning. Um, and I don't I don't think it looks good, which is a shame because Ring of Honor, like you said, is it's sort of damn near a who's who. All the greats that you have seen on WWE, most of them come from Ring of Honor in some form or fashion. Yeah, well, it's the, as, as we said, passed through that promotion at one point or another. Um, I, I, I think you are right in, in all regards. I mean, the money clearly isn't right. That's why. Uh, and, and shout out to Ring of Honor for at least saying, hey, we'll honor your contract till the, till the, the end of the year. Um, that's, you know, a, a, a nice thing to do for a small promotion. And I think uh, Ring of Honor has always been a small promotion. If you look at the numbers they were doing, they were never, you know, even like a comparable, you know, a half or even a quarter of what, uh, you know, AW pay-per-views do, for example. Right. Um, so they were always like a lot smaller. And it always seemed to be like it's something that could be sustained. So um, obviously I'm not behind there. I'm not sure what has caused... Um, this last, you know, uh, this quote-unquote downfall, right? Um, I'm sure the pandemic obviously didn't help some people, uh, you know, but they have had, you know, stars and people pass through. I mean, you know, people do go out and and, and pay money to see Rush and Bandito and uh, and Jonathan Gresham and generally Jay Lethal, who's been there forever, and uh, the Briscoes, who have been, like, the Ring of Honor tag team, uh, you know, just showed up in the, in the GCW and, uh, and made a, a splash, so... Um, that would definitely have a lot of talent over there. And um, I think most of the talent will obviously, again, the, the good news, right, is that the current, about the current landscape is there are so much, so many places for that talent to go and, 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 and still want not only uh, carry on their careers and do what, you know, I hope they love to do, but also keep earning a paycheck. 
yeah, it's never it's never a good sign unless the place is totally toxic and devoid of any type of real morals. It's never a good sign when a professional wrestling company does something like this uh, because people need places to work. I mean, Jay Lethal has been very open. Jay Lethal now is approaching his mid thirties, doesn't appear, did not appear to have any intentions of going anywhere. I think he had signed a contract, a renewal of his contract this year could be incorrect, but I think so. And he was like, look, yeah, I've got a great, I've got a great life. I mean, pro wrestling helped me buy a house, you know? So they were obviously paying their talent livable and more than livable wages, obviously. Um, So thankfully there are places to, to, to work it's just that I hope that Ring of Honor can still be one of them going forward. Jay, I, I, you saying Jay Lethal is only his mid thirties is like shocking me. I was sure the man was in his forties. He's yeah. just been around for so long, right? Uh, I guess yeah, he, he he was working on top really young back in TNA. Um, but yeah, uh, again, definitely, um, definitely not good. But and if you have a chance to you know support Ring of Honor before they go out, you know. Um, now is the time to do it. Give them their flowers, so to speak. Like I said, final bell. Yep. Uh, their last pay per view for a while. Uh, yeah. will be on December eleventh. They do. They do say they'll reopen the doors next year in April. But I. I just. Yeah, we'll see. It, it is rough look, Alexa, when you release all your talent. You know. Yeah, I mean, look, we saw Chikara do something like this, pretty similar. And you know, with the, I don't know, we're gonna try to. We got this new thing that you know and. Nah, man, when you get rid of everybody, when you set everybody free, it, 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 it does not look good. So like Mike said, I would definitely give them their flowers now. They're not as expensive as what a, a AEW pay-per-view would be or a WWE pay-per-view would be if, if you weren't using the Peacock app or whatever else. So I, I would definitely try. I know that's a lot to ask of anyone, especially right now during this time. But, you know, if you've ever been a fan of their product, uh man try because, because i mean whoo if sinclair just if they if sinclair opens up their books and they just see that this ain't what it is i'm <laughs> wwe about to buy that whole library bro i don't know what to tell you yeah no i think that, i mean i we actually just i just saw the rumors that their library is up for sale um and that's so awful news i cannot stress enough to you how bad like it and this is such it's such a it I do. It's such a cumulative affect. Like I, I told, was telling Mike uh, before the pandemic, I would try to go to Ring of Honor shows and the website. Like I don't know who was running the website, whether it was Sinclair or whomever. It, it just wasn't. It wasn't user friendly, you know. So these guys were putting forth this really, really great different product, and either they weren't doing some certain things to to help themselves out, but it always it wasn't always the case. You know, it wasn't always the case. And I do believe I'm, I'm going to be very honest with you and people could give me some flack for that. Uh, uh, Jim Cornette's words are, are proving very, very prophetic, very, very true. When Jim Cornette gives you a breakdown of why ev- every reason that he left Ring of Honor from a corporate standpoint and the things he wanted to do and the things that some of the things Ring, Ring of Honor eventually did just a little too late. I mean, he's he's right on with a lot of things. He's like, you got people in there who don't know dick about wrestling and they're doing everything they can to undercut us when we need to be as self-sustainable as possible. Should anything happen? 
Um, and Cornette, to his credit, I know he's a very divisive figure and rightfully so, was one of the guys talking about here are the things that we need to do to make sure that we can manage our money the best we can. We need to buy out this place here. That'll be a one time investment so we can film all of our stuff here come hell or high water and we can do all this other stuff. And and then, you know, his the constant issues that he was having with Sinclair's front office, that that front office, which was continually undermining uh, Ring of Honor's success. So uh, it's a very it's a it's a bit of a bummer to be to be frank. It is no, it's very much again, and and I know, like I said, just to kind of move off, you know, Ring of Honor, it's it's a name, it's a logo. Like I said, I think most of the wrestlers um, will be all right. They'll find another home and hopefully, you know, uh, a cool or higher paycheck to wrestle for. Um, but it. It is, you know, the 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 fact that that legacy and that name might be dead is is definitely uh, a bummer. So hopefully, you know, hopefully it'll be revived and hopefully they will actually make a comeback yes. of sorts. And uh, as they as they say, the world in uh, April of next year. Um, we do have to move on to the actual wrestling that we saw. We saw a lot of it. Um, as I mentioned to you, I just don't think it makes sense to go match by match for every show that we watched uh, from Crown Jewel till now. Uh, so let's just go with our big takeaways from uh, from this week of wrestling. And my one big takeaway is that Seth Rollins is one of the best in the world, and I'm very excited to see him get a championship shot. Um, I thought him and Edge had an incredible match. Um, probably, I mean, I could be missing something, and uh, you know, if I am, I'm sure you remind me. But I think it's the best match I've seen since the last time we recorded uh, him and Edge in Hell in a Cell. I thought it was uh, 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 one of the you know two best Hell in a Cell matches I've seen this year. Um, and they again, the everything is on point with them. I think it's 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 one of the best feuds in all of wrestling, or it has been. I think it's it's over. Uh, both look stronger, both you know, look uh, got what they want out of it with Seth kind of having now you know, one or maybe two legendary feuds to his name up there with his uh, work he did with Dean Ambrose after the shoe broke up. Um, uh, and Ed showing he can go, he also is one of the best in the world, and he can go as good as anybody despite being damn near 50 um and of course all the storytelling points you know with the the stomp and the, and um uh you know them training each other's moves once again but also finding new ways to apply them the uh edges i want to say was the education on the steps was awesome um and of the the botch that that uh, seth took when he you know bounced off the off the cage to the table is just like yeah. oh my god this man is bumping his ass off to make this match look good. So both men just, you know, did a great job. And Seth, you know, to his credit, again, because a couple of days later was involved in a brutal uh, ladder match. Thankfully, I think most of the damage was taken in the style by Kevin Owens. Yeah. Um, he's the one who kind of held, held the match together. I think they protected Seth a little bit after the brutal uh, Hell in a Cell match that he was in. But uh, he emerged victorious. He is now the number one contender for B.E.'s title. And I'm very excited to see where they go from there. Yeah, I think Seth is definitely in his overall prime as a professional wrestler. Um, and I think that I, first the Helen is I'll be honest with you. Now, I do believe that this was the best crown jewel that they've ever had. Um, and I think that's about it. I think it was a good pay-per-view and I think it was the best crown jewel that's ever been uh, produced. This was the match I cared about the most and it did not disappoint. It definitely delivered in every respect. And they did something that I greatly appreciated because Seth is going to go there. You know, we knew he was going to Raw, and obviously he was going to be 
uh, one of their top, if not the top heel, you know, when you lose a feud like that, it's always very important. If you're a top person, how, how do you bounce back from that? What do they do to sort of keep you in the loop? And sometimes you can do it really, really poorly where you can beat, you can beat a guy knowing that the other guy is not going to be there the next day. And then you kind of leave this other person who's a top player kind of in a lurch. Um, but they did the right thing and they did the smart thing. Then you have this, you know, this ladder match and then you immediately put him right back in the mix for the world's uh, for the WWE championship, which I felt was, was uh, the correct call because it's the only one that makes sense at the moment. I mean, Seth could conceivably win. Um, weird things have happened. I don't necessarily see it, but you know, if you want to really create an intriguing uh, storyline for the WWE championship, I think right now that's the one you go with because it could be argued that Seth is actually the best heel in the company um, because there is no part of his actual presentation that is going for cheers. There is no part of his actual presentation that is trying to tell that is trying to sell T-shirts. He is just healing it through and through. I'd say he's actually the best heel in the company. Now, people will say Roman. That's just because Roman is the figure face of the company. I don't think he's the best heel. I think it's clearly Seth. So you're producing a situation where you could have the most compelling storyline that you could have for the WWE title by having one of your most over baby faces, who's the champion against your most over heel and Seth Rollins. Oh, I completely agree with you that Seth is the best uh, heel in the company right now. And again, as we talked about before, he's doing it by himself. He doesn't yes. have any heaters at the moment. It's, it's just him and his outfits, man. And, uh, and they, you know, he has been a, a compelling promo, whether it's, you know, a, a 30 second backstage with uh, Kelly Braxton or if it's, a, you know, the five minute uh, promo to open the show. He can he can kind of do it all right now um, and, and, and be very entertaining. Uh, so yeah, and and I'm the same boat as you. I would not actually be. I think if, I think again, it's it's an obvious choice because there's no wrong uh, answer, right? What what uh, as far as what you do with him and Big E. If Big E wins, uh, great. Big E's now you know he's already kind of established himself after a great match with Drew McIntyre and a clean win there. Uh, so not to beat Seth Rollins, kind of back to back challenges. That's you know you that's a such a huge boost to him, and it's really like, hey, this guy is a main event, and this guy deserves to be world champion. If Seth Rollins beats him, then you can have a chase with Big E, you know, reestablish him right away, you know, um, and set the chase as long as you want. Hell, go all the way to Mania, right? Um, if you must. So there's just a lot of ways you can go with it that's that can be interesting. Yes, I agree 100%. So, and, and I think it drives a point home that when WWE wants to do book something right, um, like what they've done with, I think, with Big E, uh, with the, what, they, they, what they did with Seth, they can, uh, which makes it more frustrating when they choose not to. Yeah. Um, and case in point, uh, the next thing, uh, my next big takeaway with um, uh, the Crown Jewel and the Fallout is the title swap. Um, I think, you know, right now that all the talk is about Charlotte and Becky and whether or not there's a heat backstage on Charlotte and then where they're going to go with it. I almost think they kind of back themselves into something that's interesting because now they made me much more interested in the in their program. But all this could have been avoided with just some competent booking. Uh, last time we were on here, we were wondering if Bianca can actually beat Charlotte uh, and become a, a Raw champion since she's staying on Raw which would then give one of two women on SmackDown a chance uh, to be Becky Lynch, or sorry, Sasha Banks, because she was the only woman on SmackDown. Uh, you know, she would just pin uh, Becky at Crown Jewel um, to 
take that title with her new TV show, as well as give Crown Jewel one thing they didn't have, which was actual like real consequences. I mean, they had a bunch of good matches, but no, uh, besides uh, Brock and Roman, no storylines really got advanced. And no new champions were crowned. And I think that's kind of the one thing that really missing from it being like the the in the conversation for one of the best pay-per-views in the year, from my perspective at least. Um and I think that, you know, you have Sasha win, that could have been it. That could have been kind of like a cherry on top. And um instead you got a title swap, which is always not just a bad idea because it makes Diwali somehow both titles. And as well, it was it was a bad idea that was executed worse. Yeah, it's uh, you know, the thing about the thing about WWE is, is that they pick their favorites and then come hell or high water like they I mean, again, it's so incredibly frustrating. You could have had Bianca Belair just beat Charlotte Flair because all you're telling me now is Bianca Belair can't beat none of these people. I'm sorry. That's just what you're she beat her. But but it was by yeah, DQ. but but by DQ. But that don't what do that mean? You know, like if it's mm-hmm. there's one thing where like getting the DQ victory while the fans are booing and getting the one, two, three and having the belt raised over your head. Of course. Hand, you know what I'm saying? That's while the while the audience is cheering again, you are showing me that she can't beat these people. And you're showing me that you have an unwillingness to put her in those types of positions to do such a thing. So you will keep her as that baby face that can do these things but you don't want to go through with actually doing it when realistically a loss doesn't hurt charlotte flair i don't know why they are so obsessed with protecting this woman when apparently even she was like the right call here should be for me to lose that would be the most sensible thing you know she's a fan of bianca belair i think the wwe is a fan of bianca belair they're obviously a fan of charlotte flair more but uh yeah you could have done that um you, you, there's any number of things that they could have done, but then again, all they chose to do is give us this, this dumb title swap, which, as you said, devalues the titles. First of all, WWE devalues all their titles because of how uniform their top titles look. They look exactly like each other, just with different colors, and the titles aren't even that good looking to begin with. So they already do a good job of aesthetically um, minimizing the importance of their championships, making them look like they came come off an assembly line. But then to have this little title swap business. I didn't like it when they did it with the tag team titles. I just don't particularly care for it. Uh, You can do it once in a while with the tag team titles. It kind of made sense because we were just in that situation. Both teams were dominant. They had gotten through whatever. This was just a more obvious thing that you could have done uh, just to really take yourself in a more, uh, I think, in a more creative direction. Instead, we just got a really, really awkward, shitty, contentious thing on TV that yeah, it could maybe down the line lead to a compelling match. Those two won't jet, those two always appear to have compelling matches, quite frankly. But it's just like, okay, yeah, but because you didn't want to do the right thing, you you had that nonsense. And then you have some backstage nonsense. And then somebody has to leave uh being escorted out by security. When that all of that could have been avoided if you just booked your show properly. But again, they want to be half pregnant. That's all I can say as it relates to Bianca Belair in situations like that, they, you just want to, you want to be half pregnant. Keep in mind, I think I forgot what the match was, but that, that was not, there was already a DQ finish to a big match on that Monday Night Raw, mm-hmm. which was otherwise good. And again, you just, and that's where, you know, the big thing that we always talk about what separates WWE from AEW is like, this is your main event. They're having a great match. Just send fans home happy. Just yeah. give them what they want. And, you know, and that shouldn't that trump everything else? 
making sure your people enjoy your match, as opposed to having your main event and an DQ, and that's it. And then you tell people to go home. Now I'm sure they had some dark matches that you know made them a little bit happy, but nonetheless, you know, what about millions of people who are watching? It's like, why would I turn into a show that's going to leave me frustrated on purpose? Yeah, and again, you had the opportunity to really build up this young babyface star. And, and just there's nothing wrong with continuing to cement her as such. There's nothing wrong with continuing to cement her as our top baby face who can do all this. Like you can do it, but she ain't want to do it. So it's fine. So we are where we are. End of the uh, King of the Ring and the Queen of the Ring turn tournaments, um, which, again, I, I think I thought it was cool. I, I'm happy that they gave Xavier the. The win, I do think it was more like, hey, man, you, once you sell this many T-shirts for us and you bring in that many views for us from, you know, video gaming world, you you know, if this is your dream, you, you can have it. Right. Uh, which is nice. It's nice to be recognized. Um, and also, you know, Zelina, um, they, again, she was booked uh, basically as a jobber the entire time before the tournament, but uh, happy she's getting her moment to shine. I'm not, there wasn't a huge fan of her coronation. I think she's trying a new thing with the accent. And it's, you know, on and off. Um, but, you know, we'll see what they both them for both of them is we'll see what they do with their their gimmicks. Yeah. WWE loves their royalty. And that's basically what the, the look I've said before on the podcast. The King of the Ring tournament used to actually mean something. It was a way of keeping someone strong or elevating someone to the best of the company and the performer's ability. Now it's just a gimmick for people to be royalty. So I do think that Selena could potentially do a lot with the queen gimmick. So it does benefit her. Um, so it could, by default, sort of elevate her up the card. Um, for Xavier, yeah, like you said, you sell enough T-shirts for this long a time. Hey, man, you know, you you got it. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know what is really to come from that. Um, I just look at the people who lost. So I think, you know, I think Dewdrop, as they just are obsessed with calling her, I think I think she can be okay and recover. Unfortunately, Vince is who Vince is, so the aesthetics will always get in the way. Uh, I think for Finn Balor, it, it's just been shown he's just been called up to lose a lot. So I'm not saying that Xavier shouldn't have won. I'm happy for Xavier, but look at what they like. Look, I, look I'm glad Finn Balor is not. On, it's very weirdly frustrating to me because I, I'm also very happy that Finn Balor ain't on NXT 2.0. I'll be honest with you. Um, at the same time, you just call them up to lose. So that's all I'm seeing. Maybe him and Kevin Owens do something down the line. I think Kevin probably has to turn heel. Something got to change because he's been a perennial loser uh, in the spirit of sacrificing everything for Roman Reigns as well. So, you know, something's got to sort of change there. But again, uh, I, I again, they, they managed to take me out of this this thing rather quickly. And so far, uh I, I have not been disappointed in my initial disappointment. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I think both matches, the both finals were better or as good as I expected. I think they were, I enjoyed watching both finals uh, at Crown Jewel. But besides that, I, I can't say I was very, you know, the overall, uh, I was not impressed by these tournaments. Let's actually move on to the tournaments that are impressive. And again, the big difference in what AEW is doing with their tournaments and what WWE did with theirs is that AW actually has active storylines involved in their in their tournament. Like they're using a tournament to tell a story, as well you should. Um, that's what makes it better. Um, mm -hmm. And I think you kind of predicted. I think the John Moxley storyline um, entering this tournament is very very interesting. He just uh, advanced uh, to the second round of uh, the World Title Eliminator, 
by destroying and uh, biting and ripping the mask off 10. Yeah. Um, again, maybe not the best look for somebody who was on 11 match winning streak, but again, let's be honest, 10 was never really going to be a main eventer, or at least not anytime soon. Sure. Uh, rather in AW. Um, yeah, talk to me. Talk to me about what you think of the, the world title uh, eliminator so far. Love it. <laughs> Love it because it, it again, it takes on a more sports based thing. It's like, well, and again, like I remember within boxing, they would do not too long ago, uh, the Super 8 tournament, you know, for the middleweight for the super middleweight title uh, that ended up being won by Andrew uh, Andre Ward probably a decade or so ago. And each each match, you know, there were other we're at, we got to fight, you know, and, and there are going to be storylines built in because of our personalities and because of how we know each other. And I think they've done this perfectly. I mean, Daniel Bryan, like Brian Danielson, his wave is is very, very clear. John Moxley's is very, very clear. And I think his his makes the most sense. And it's the most compelling um, because Moxley does not care. He is frustrated. I think it, in again in his country in his promos kind of sounds like a man without a country, which is very very strange because he's like, "All oh, this is mine. I did this, and all you guys are forgetting. I don't get what I want. Okay, I'm going to ruin. I don't care if you love them. I don't care if you hate them. I am here for beautiful professional wrestling violence, and that's what he did. He slaughtered ten as he should have. As he, you could always build that thing up. If 10 becomes something and runs and you can run it back because the record will dictate as such and 10's development will dictate it as such. But it's like, yeah, in those moments, man, you have to show that there are levels to this. You just you just have to. Right. It's like it's like when uh, uh, when Montez Ford fought Roman Reigns. Yeah, you can have a nice little back and forth. But at the end of the day, he's tapping out to Roman Reigns like that's just where you're going to go with that. That that's the show. There have to, in fact, be levels to this. And I think in this regard, Moxley just looks like a monster, which is the appropriate way to book him uh, when it comes to him and Daniel, Brian Danielson eventually tying up because, you know, he's not going to be able to run over Brian Danielson, but, you know, he's going to pop that man in the mouth and Brian Danielson will say, thank you. May I have another? Yep. I think the John Moxley versus Brian Danielson is going to be um, the, what, what the, uh, Jesus Christ, uh, Suzuki match with Brian Nelson would have been without the exhibition part. Like if they had something on the line and it, 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 it will get to that level of brutality. And I absolutely cannot wait for it. I think it's the match I'm anticipating the most on uh, full gear, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, besides that, like, like I said, we had Brian, da- Brian Danielson gave us an excellent match with Dustin Rhodes. I thought it was just, you know, kind of what you expect from two very f- uh, fundamentally sound uh slow pace match uh with moments of you know burst of energy we still on the previous power slams in the world uh courtesy of dustin rhodes um and i love that you know the little uh, nod to the to roman reigns right as uh my notes not only did he went with the choke up but the same like he switched uh the hole to the uh to make sure that his um arms were under dustin's chin the same way that uh his last match ended with roman reigns on smackdown so i thought that was a nice little bit of uh of, call- of a callback um, not a huge fan of the Orange Cassidy Power Hobbs match, but you know, Cassidy is, is, is his whole gimmick is pretty much hit or miss, right? Yeah. Sometimes it will yeah. end great, and, and sometimes it will be not so much. Excited to see what Cassidy and uh, and John Moxley will do in the next round. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on to maybe the best match of, 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 of both tournaments so far. Serena Deeb and uh, and Hiroshida had. An amazing match. Uh, what have uh, I told you, people, about Serena Deep? God damn it! 
I told you from the very beginning. I told every single person. Mike, am I lying? No, no, you no. put me on to her. I was not yeah. somebody I was not familiar with, and she has continued to impress. Yeah, they are. Oh, she's so good. And and, and listen, Akarushita is amazing as well. Um, and they and they oh they put forth a banger. I can't. I loved this. I just I just loved it. I loved mostly. I've loved Dame near everything about it. Uh, it looked good. And um, let's not be mistaken. I'm going to say this. Serena Deeb is one of the best wrestlers in the world, bar none. Don't care what gender. She's easily the best wrestler on the AEW women's side of the fence. And make no mistake, everyone that's in the ring with her gets better. Karushita is already very, very good. And she will only get better because of these dealings uh, with Serena Deeb. I loved everything about that match. I loved how it ended. Again, one thing I like that AEW does, you don't have to win with your damn finish all the time. You can you can do things other ways. And um, it continued to give Serena deep heat and then advance the storyline because now Karushita with the bad wheel has to try to survive Nyla Rose. And those two have a very, very intense history uh, stemming from their AEW uh, uh, Women's World's title uh, matches. So it's so, it's so great. But that match was... Bro, that, that that match was so fun, bro. It, it was. And it was only 10 minutes, and it made me want to, again, the best thing you can do is you, you make somebody want to see more. Yep. I want to see a definitive finish. I want to see that that, that trilogy mm-hmm. between uh, between Sheeta and um, and uh, and Deep now. Like, I, yes. wa- I want to see, you know, I want to go full tree of hell. Maybe hell in the cell was a little bit too much, but I got, give him 25 minutes, 20 minutes, and let's, let's go. Let's let him put on the definitive match of that trilogy because they had two really fun matches on TV. That's how you built your pay-per-view right there. Yeah. Uh, so just excellent job by both of them. Um, while we're talking about excellent female wrestling, I got to give a shout-out to I was a huge fan of the the Halloween Havoc in NXT. Again, we're not going to go match by match, but uh, the, the current storyline with uh, uh, Toxic Attraction taking over the, the, the women's division, um, I think it's appropriate because, again, I don't think Mandy Rose is... She might be the worst technical wrestler who's ever held that women's title, which is very prestigious. But I, I one, she's improved greatly from you know her days on the, on the main roster. Um, I thought her and uh, Raquel Gonzalez had a great a banger match. Um, so, but definitely, man, I think Mandy's Rose's best match, uh, probably oh, ever. Yeah, yeah, no, her best match because her best match before that was her versus like Sonya Deville, and that was like hard. Um, so yeah, this is clearly Mandy's best match, which shows that she has been improving, uh, especially when you reckon where she comes from. Like she's not, she's, she's more of a, uh, and I love Mandy. Let, let's not be mistaken. I think Mandy is sensational as an overall sports entertainer. Uh, but you know, she, she was a, she, she was a, a body person. You know what I'm saying? She comes from the fitness world. So it's, it's very hard and very seldomly do you see people really make that transition and be successful. Um, and I think for the purposes of what they're trying to do with NXT, I think she's the perfect remedy for that. I think she's the perfect person to sort of put in that position because, you know, hey, she's obviously improved. She will get better. And now you have a faction that runs the women's division on NXT. So you're built like and you can build whoever takes them down eventually will be huge baby faces. Absolutely. And while we're talking about, you know, uh, some of the best wrestlers in the world who happen to be women, huge shout out to uh, Io Shirai. Yeah, like they're just yeah. just putting her body on f- through everything because it's it's her Zoe Starks was very good but still pretty green. I mean, I think she's great for 
only being in the business for uh, like a, a couple of years, but, um, and everybody else in that ring was pretty green besides her. And she put her body on the line to make sure they, they had a good match to, you know, to come out of and the moment, um, get her on the main roster as soon as possible. This woman can be your, me, I don't know, uh, a female J Jeff Hardy, your female Seth Rollins tomorrow. Oh, uh, careful, careful, to. careful what you wish for. Vince is going to see her and, and then, and they not going to happen. Careful. That, I careful. don't know, man. I, I just think Care she's so. No, she is. She's excellent. But if you can find a way over time to minimize the value of Asuka, then I, I then you can find a way to do that with Io, Io Shirai. You definitely can. But again, I mean, listen, if she ends it, up in the world, if Io Shirai ends up winning the, the Royal Rumble, ends up in the you know uh, championship match at WrestleMania, I won't be mad. Um, obviously, I, I want more for her. I want her to be a headliner, but I don't. Yeah, uh, the 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 track history of of, of international superstars. Uh, making all the way to headline is just not not on my side here. So yeah. it, it, as long as she is, you know, anyway, if she is on Oscar level, uh, or when when if she moves up to the main roster, I'll be happy with that. To be honest with you, okay. Uh, just you know, you just gotta set your expectations on the reasonable levels. So you know, what I mean, no, I just no, I mean, listen, I, I I am being very reasonable. I look, I have been correct about the. I said what I say. I said I don't want Vince to ever see Tony Storm because then it's over. Mm -hmm. And 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 literally what happens? She goes up there and nothing. <laughs> so it's like I'm like, no, I'm looking at their 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 quote unquote booking practices, how he views aesthetics when he is so incredibly hypercritical of men and their presentation. I can only imagine. I don't even know the levels of his toxic depravity as it relates to women. Oh, wait, I do know because there was a period in the 2000s where he was touching them up, feeling them all up. And in every storyline, he had to kiss the pretty blonde one. So I have a very good understanding of how this man uh, sees uh, women wrestlers in, in 2021. And for some of them, I don't know, man, if it, it, I, I, I'm going to say it, if his dick don't get hard about on some of them, I don't think he really cares about them too much. But yeah, so that to that end, <laughs> so so to that end, you'd be right. If she can get to Oscar level, we can't really be mad. So yeah, that, listen, that's all. That's all we can hope for. Um, then I'm not gonna not gonna go into that. That's that's a that's a dark path. You don't need to go into that, it. You, you don't need we, to. You, I did it. You I, can lead me to. I did it. We're for not gonna us. go there. I did it for we'll, us. We'll, I will, I, I, will, I will write this. I will write this ship right now, sir. <laughs> uh, Bound for Glory, TNA pay per view. Well, all took a place a few days after uh, Crown Jewel. Uh, thought it was an excellent pay-per-view as well. Again, there's just a lot of good wrestling. We know it. We're not going to go match by match. Uh, the takeaway from that pay-per-view was the ending. One of the best endings to any pay-per-view this year. I you think, got damn right. You got damn uh, right. I, I, and you told me they did it. And yep. I was just, man, was, and it's, it's such a small thing. But, man, if you have a heel stand tall, Make sure you have Babyface's family in that ring as well. Yep. That just makes it so much. Uh, that makes you feel so much worse, and 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 that's what makes it so much better. And they, uh, and shout they out to Moose, man, yeah. great. All right, on a on a great start on his uh, heel championship run. And they built it so beautifully, man. You know, and I, I bought Bound for Glory. It's keep in mind, Bound for, Glo for Glory is their top pay per view. You know, it, it's. You know, it's it's their everything, you know, it's their mania, it's their starcade. So it's a very, very important pay-per-view for them. The circumstances they were able to fill out that space, 1,500 people. I know it does not seem like a lot, but when you look at the history of impact wrestling, the fact they're still open, it's kind of a lot. It's
you know, they built this thing so beautifully. The, the entire night was it was such good storytelling in that it started with Josh Alexander. And he said, when I won that title, when I won the X Division title, I gave it to my kid. You know, I gave it to my kid and they brought the family into the whole thing. They brought the family into the entire dynamic. Um, thankfully, you know, Impact is still around to be able to do stuff like this. And to me, um, they really built the storyline between Christian and Josh Alexander very, very well. It's like, hey, man, you ain't even you, you don't even go here no more. You know, you, you're not from here no more. You're taking a you're taking a billionaire's money. This title comes home with me and Christian Cage being like, I mean, yeah, man, you're good, but I don't really know who you are. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even know who you are. And it very much got the fans invested. And the most important thing you can do is have the fans invested in your titles. So so he had helped build up the X division again. He was one of the many like Ace Austin also had a hand in it and other people. So, like, I'm not saying it's just him, but they had built up that division so well. So when he called in option C to compete for the world's title, that's a very, very big deal. It's a huge, huge deal. And then you do it against a legend in Christian Cage, who by all metrics should beat you. He's still in his prime. He can still go. He can still do all of that stuff. And he just still beats you. And they built it up in such a way in that match that the fans were actually invested. They wanted to see that world's championship come home. And I think while it was, while I liked the match, it was a good match. It was a very, very good match. Let's not be mistaken. Uh, I thought it was technically the most clean, the most sound, because Christian just doesn't mess up. Like, he just doesn't. The man can go. But even the things they did in the match were so creative. The way they finished the match, I thought the finish, I thought the ending of the match was extremely creative. Because how mm-hmm. do I get this guy who's getting out of this? All I take away every possible chance that he has to escape this. And I don't have to do it the normal Kurt Angle way. No, no, no. I'm going to trap your other your other hand. So now deal, make a decision. <laughs> like, do I break your ankle or do you tap? Figure it out. And I thought that was I thought that was excellent. And then he brings his family into the And keep in mind, the best part of that finish is when he tapped loudest pop of the night. Mm-hmm. Immediate loud pop. The Yes. It's back with us, the walking weapon, Josh Alexander, who has been on this amazing come up, is now the Impact Wrestling World's Champion. What could be more appropriate? He brings his his family into the ring. The announcers are putting it over like a million bucks, like a million bucks. And then Moose. (laughs) Oh, boy. And then Moose comes into the ring and every and everyone, the entire audience is like, no, no, God, no, no. And Moose is like, yes. And what does Josh do? Josh, as the baby face, as the announcers are, are cursing Moose out of his name. What does the baby face do with his family in the ring? He tries to get his family to safety because he is a warrior. And if he has to fight right now, he will fight right now. He gets his family to safety, spear immediately. One, two, three. Moose takes that title, holds it up in front of that man's family. As the as everyone, everyone is hating this moment. In that moment, I'm like, Moose is a son of a bitch, I tell you. Excellent moment. And and there's a few things I want to just kind of add to it. Um regarding the moment. Keep in mind, Moose's whole thing has been kind of the way he's been uh portrayed and his character is like this guy is the most athletic, he gifted, one of the biggest guys we have. 
they, they cannot seem to win the big one. You know, lost to Candy. Uh, we you know we lost cheating, but still lost. Lost to Rich Swan, clean yep. in the title unification. Yep. Uh, so technically, this is the title he never held. Always kept coming up short. So on, you know, when you go through here, it's like, hey, I gotta do what I gotta do. I got this yeah. opportunity. I'm cashing in. I don't care. This is your moment. I don't yep. care if the, your family's here. That's it's all very nice. You guys kept saying I keep choking all the biggest moments and that I should have been champion by now. So, you know, don't complain to me. So, again, I love having, as, as for always, a heel who is not just a heel for the, the sake of being a heel, but a heel with a proper motivation is always, I love it. And, again, this is, like, the storytelling that we always talk about. You know, the reason why we both of us said Impact was the best promotion and halfway through the year was because their story has been done so well and so layered, yeah. especially when it comes to their big storylines. Uh, regarding the match, just a few things I wanted to add. Uh, again, I love the fact that, you know, uh, that you mentioned the, the submission. Of course, keep in mind, uh, before the entire match, Josh kept working Chris, uh, Chris Cage's shoulder. Huh? So now he, when he tried to, you know, bridge up from the ankle lock, he could not yeah. because his shoulder hurt. So again, yeah. everything, when you, when you, this, the things you do in the first act, you yeah. know, works as a set. It's either filler or it comes back in the third act. And that's yep. what makes it so much better. Uh, and again, that's why I love, you know, matches like that. Uh, on top of it, there's one little thing that Josh Longjan does. I don't think I've seen anybody do, but it's it's so simple. When he runs, when he hits the ropes, he will shoulder check his opponent. He doesn't just have to run around him. If yep. you have to be in my way, why wouldn't I shoulder check you? We're right. fighting. I don't right. have to go around you. And it's such a small detail, but I swear, I don't think I've, I remember seeing anybody actually doing it. And it um, fits perfectly with his character as well. He's, oh, a, absolutely. he's a walking yeah. weapon. That's right. He's just a hard-nosed, a hard-nosed guy, and uh, and and again, yeah, technically sound wrestler. Um, so just again, just very well done by Impact Time. Again, I kind of lapsed as a viewer uh, a little bit, and uh, they got me right back with uh, how good this pay-per-view was and how good this main angle was. Uh, when we talk about Bound for Glory, I think we should at least briefly discuss two more things. You brought up the X Division. Yeah. Um, I think one of the guys who uh, who. Another who has been groomed very well by Impact, who has been on the rise this year, has been Trey Miguel. He had a really cool feud with Sammy Callahan, mm -hmm. kind of the the old guard of the of the of the company uh, early in the year that he won. He beat him in his uh, in the a hardcore match, which is kind of like his wheelhouse. Um, he is now your new X Division champion, which is very exciting. That's just you know kind of uh, his trajectory keeps going up. Which is exciting. He's the hot, you know, uh, exciting baby face. Very good in the ring too. Yeah, and what I want to say, what's so interesting, for, to want, I mean, I was, I watched Trey in this match. I'm like, goodness gracious, it's like Ricochet eight years ago. Like that's just what kept coming to mind. But this match in particular was so incredible to me because it's a very spotty match. It's a very, you know, spot heavy match, um, and that leads to a higher potential, potential for just slop. And these guys just didn't do that. I mean, they hit every like all the stuff I saw them do. I was like, they, they pulled that off. Like that was like goodness gracious. Like even in moments where it looked like they might not, they definitely did. And everybody, no one came out of that match looking worse. You know, which is a which can be a very hard thing to do. But everybody got their stuff off. El Fantasmo, who I generally don't really care to watch, looked at, like looked excellent. Um, Steve Macklin, who I really don't care to watch, he looked excellent. And everybody looked legit. Everybody looked like they had a legitimate chance to win the X Division title. And uh, I think aesthetically, even though I don't like stuff like that, it was the most eye-catching match of the night. 
and they pulled it off to perfection. And I was like, that was so incredibly fun. And again, yeah, when Trey won, everybody was with it because Trey's their guy. Yeah, I I absolutely agree with you. Um, and then the last match I have to mention, I think the match itself was uh, uh, the match we're going to talk about next. Um, is it was fine. I don't think to be honest, I don't recall too much from it except for both competitors kicking out of each other's finishers. Um, but Mickey James uh, is your new knockouts champion, ending uh, Deanna Brasi's reign. Uh, Deanna Brasi, of course, and I think we should mention it's important uh, how good, how dominant she's been in the knockouts. Uh, PWI put out their list of top 50 women, and she was ranked number two. That's ahead of all WWE women except for Bianca Belair. That's ahead of every AEW woman and all the all the other female competitors who have just a lot bigger stage and a lot kind of more eyeballs on them. So I think it just kind of speaks to her dominance and her rise from relative obscurity for a few years ago. Um, so I think that's kind of why it's important to mention, you know, the fact that she did have a match. I thought she had a good match with Mickey James. Uh, and now we have a new knockouts champion. Yeah, they had a very good match again. Uh, I, I think it's important to note uh, WWE couldn't find anything to do with her or Mickey James in their last runs, which can be a bit of a head scratcher. Um, but yeah, Diana, I think this current reign was like 344 days. She almost beat uh, Taya Valkyrie's run. Uh, just incredibly dominant reign, sort of came out of nowhere, beat Jordan Grace when Jordan Grace had just won the title and we thought it was going to be this great long run for Jordan Grace, made Jordan Grace tap out twice uh, and, and visually tapped her, uh, made, made her verbally tap, I'm sorry, and uh, just had this amazing, amazing title run. And then in the ring with Mickey James, who, you know, a couple stats of that, like that was Mickey James's first 10 minute match in over three years and and you know her last run in wwe she didn't have any match go that long so the fact that she was able to do that um i thought that that was really cool especially coming off she looked i mean to me you gotta understand this woman like tore acl so you be able to come back and do a lot of stuff that you can do is really cool i thought they had a lot of fun spots that they did um you know it was constantly a situation of can mickey do it one more time um, and can you survive Diana Pedraza's finishers? Because her finishers end everyone. And uh, they were very creative in the moments that they had of Mickey showing her guile and, and, you know, and her experience to get out of situations that would compromise her. For it was like, oh, no, like when uh, Diana got her submission finish on her, it's like, and then she got the other arms like I got to I got to put my foot underneath this rope to break the plane of the count. Um, and, you know, yeah, they did the two kick out finish deal. But even with that, like they had a lot of cool stuff with the belt uh, when Deanna tried to, you know, cheat and all that other stuff like Mickey showed. Hey, I'll do whatever I got to do. I'll do the same thing that this woman will do to get that title again. So it, I thought that was very big. Also, it was the right call to make to be perfectly honest, because you know the title eventually is going back to Diana Pedraza. But after such a, a, a big reign like that, you do need, uh, you're either going to build a new star off of that or you got to have an established star come in. And who better than one of the best women wrestlers who's ever lived? Uh, absolutely. Um, and again, I, I think it, it puts, hey, you still have that good mix, right? Because you have these two, um, you know, you have like again somebody like Trey Miguel, who's kind of this young guy who is just on the on the rise, and then you have your established veteran uh, in Mickey James, kind of holding down the titles. Uh, so I think overall, just a very good pay per view, lots of fun. Uh, when I again, we didn't get a chance to cover it all, but highly, highly recommend 
uh, you get it again if you have the opportunity to, or at least you know, check it out, give it your time, if nothing else. Um, so, though, do we have anything else you want to discuss before we get into our match of the week? Uh, no, I think, I think, I am good. Excellent. Yeah, I think I'm good. Well then, let, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for our match of the week. So, though, please go ahead. I'm going to take you guys back to Slammiversary 2020. And the match is Deanna Perrazzo versus Jordan Grace uh, for the knockouts for, our, for the knockouts uh, women's championship. So, again, I watched they had a series of matches. I watched them all, loved them all. This was this was the one that while it shocked me in terms of uh, Jordan winning, it made me instantly a fan of Deanna, established her character greatly in the way in which they did it. To make a babyface tap out is a hell of a thing, especially when that's your top babyface and it gets her over huge. The match itself is excellent. It's a it's a 15 minute banger worth your time. While we're here, uh, I, I again never seen it. I will, as as I do a lot, I will I will take your advice and I will check out this match I've never seen before. Uh, of course, the big story this week is uh, Ring of Honor uh, is closing its doors, so I think it's only fair. I'll find uh, a Ring of Honor match. Um, again, we bring them up a lot here, uh, so I try to find the one I haven't mentioned before. I went straight to the top. One of the most, I would say, anticipated matches in my years of watching Ring of Honor. Um, it was in 2015 uh, final battle. Um, also, I do apologize. 2015 best in the world. Uh, Jay Lethal against Jay Briscoe. Yeah. A winner take all. Yeah. Honor World Matt, uh, and Ring of Honor World Television titles both on the line. Yeah. Um, just an incredibly built match. This was at the time when they were doing kind of YouTube promos and, uh, yeah. you know, very guerrilla, but the promos were excellent. Anybody who knows Jay Leto is, is excellent on the mic, always has been. Uh, Jay Briscoe, this was his very, very dominant run as a world champion. I know, you know, he is most associated with a, uh, as a tag team wrestler, but at the time he was one of the more dominant, uh, wrestlers, I would say, in all of the independent scene, um, and had a very lengthy reign as the world champion, the ring of honor, uh, just great promos, great, great egg anticipation and the great match. AJ Lethal, uh, Jay Briscoe, they were still, you know, they're still good now. They're still going for a good match today. This was, back when they were six years younger uh, and they could really, really go. So if if you really have the time, go check out the promos, go check out the the, the promo package uh, for this match. If you only have, you know, half an hour, then please check out this match as it is excellent. Mike is absolutely right. It's easily one of the best world title matches of that year and of any in the entire history of Ring of Honor. Like I was so, I was so amped for that one and, and they sold it so well uh, because you know, Jay Lethal heading into that was a dominant world's television champion. And Jay Briscoe was the dominant world's champion. And something had to give. It's an amazing piece of business. Absolutely. Uh, on that note, Satorio, I think it is time for us to head out. Uh, let these people go and uh, celebrate Halloween and get into all the all the fun activities that they will uh, be doing. Are you, uh, you doing anything for Halloween, sir? I am not doing anything for Halloween. Uh bit too grown for that but uh, yes everyone enjoy your halloween for those of you going out remember it's getting cold outside so if you're going to be wearing one of them type outfits show off your body have fun but bring a coat and remember pedialyte is your friend because your head does not have to hurt the next day stay warm stay safe thank you for hanging out with us peace <laughs>